What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to yet another episode of TA Playlist. Consider us the official game club of TrueAchievements.com. And if you haven't already, I recommend you join the best online gaming community on TA. It's free, and we welcome you with open arms. With that being said, my name is Will, a.k.a. Mr. Overenthusiastic himself, Bruce Wayne 1008 How you doing, guys? I'll be steering the podcast this month with some of my favorite people. Mark, a.k.a. Not Penny's Boat. Mr. Podcast, how are you? I'm hella sick, but I'm ready to do this. <laughs> Perfect. And, of course, my favorite person to debate with, Kevin, a.k.a. Yuri Days, Mr. Texas. How's life treating you? Well, it's it's going very well. I've decided to try to inject a little bit more positivity this time. Uh, so, you know. Plus, you're surviving hurricanes and so on, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. See, you're like a hero. Awesome. So let's just dive straight into it. This is the fifth official episode of Playlist, and I'm so excited because this month we're playing Life is Strange. Don't Nod's 2015 episodic game was up against Dishonored, Tomb Raider, and Star Wars The Force Unleashed. All of these titles fought hard, but it seems the community craved teenage drama wrapped up into some type of action game. A quick overview. Life is Strange snatched up around 31% of the votes, leaving the competition essentially in the past. Dishonored captured around 24%. Tomb Raider was at 23.16, and Star Wars The Force Unleashed was nearly 22%. An interesting race, to say the least. But, Kevin, what did you vote for this month? I want to know. God, that was a long time ago. I kind of flipped my votes around between Dishonored and Tomb Raider, depending on which one I thought had a better chance to win. And uh, they were futile. I didn't really care. I just wanted to not play Life is Strange. So Beautiful. Yeah, it worked out. Positivity on 100. It's okay. I flipped around a bunch of times, so don't feel bad. <laughs> Mark, what did you vote for? I think the same the same thing I voted for when it first showed up in the second month, which was Tomb Raider. Was that the second month? Yeah. See, I wanted Tomb Raider to win. I, having said that, um, I did feel like Life is Strange would have made a great show if it won. And here we are recording a, probably a great show. <laughs> What'd you vote for, Will? I went back and forth, especially with the second chance month. I feel like we had a good variety there. So I wasn't 100% sure where I wanted to go because Life is Strange, I already played and I wasn't going to, you know, stack the achievements. Tomb Raider definitely had my interest. It was just, I already played it on the 360 and I wasn't 100% sure. The only thing that kept me there was the stackable achievements. Uh, but, but ultimately in the end, I went back to Life is Strange and I can't complain. Here we are. So guys, in case you didn't know, Life is Strange is an episodic title developed by Don't Nod and published by Square Enix. It's not exactly a telltale title, but it follows in the same footsteps. The French developer was founded back in 2008 and released their first title, Remember Me, only five years later. A game I never really played due to its average score, but I've always had interest in because they had time travel and so on and so forth. So essentially, the studio was believed to declare bankruptcy since Remember Me kind of flopped, but the financial woes were soon resolved. Public funding from the community allowed the studio to continue production on their next title, which is the game we dived into this month. And needless to say, the game has reached commercial success as the prequel is released this month, and I'm personally excited to play it. I pre-ordered it even though probably should have waited for it, but you know, Eager Beaver, whatever. Enough of me giving you background information. At this time, I'd like to pass the torch to Kevin. He's been doing an amazing job giving us summaries of titles previously, and it's about time to do his thing. And Kevin explains it all. Life is Strange is a story of a teenage girl named Max who saves her friend using her time power travels and they become friends again because they stop being friends and they do some stuff for a while, basically testing out those time travel powers until her friend gets put in a wheelchair and they realize how serious all this is. Then they solve murder and a serial killer captures them and almost kills them. And then at the very end, you know, Max decides that maybe all this time travel stuff isn't the best and either destroys the world or saves her world while killing her best friend the only person she tried to save and that's about it it's cool nathan don't stress you're okay bro just 
Count to three. Don't be scared. You own this school. If I wanted, I could blow it up. You're the boss. So what do you want? I hope you check the perimeter, as my step-ass would say. Now, let's talk business. I got nothing for you. Wrong. You got hella cash. That's my family, not me. Oh, boo-hoo, poor little rich kid. I know you've been pumping drugs into kids around here. I bet your respectable family would help me out if I went to them. Man, I can see the headlines now. Leave them out of this I can tell everybody Nathan Prescott is a punk ass who begs like a little girl and talks to himself. You don't know who the fuck I am or who you're messing around with. Where'd you get that? What are you doing? Come on, put that thing down. Don't ever tell me what to do. I'm so sick of people trying to control me. You are going to get in hella more trouble for this than drugs. Nobody would ever even miss your punk ass, would they? Get that gun away from me, psycho! No! I think you said it better than I could have possibly. I can't even speak today. <laughs> but with all that summary knowledge in your noggin, it's about time to get to the heart of the discussion. And let's talk about the essentials of what makes this game either good or bad. I feel like the best place to start is with the story. So guys, tell me, did you even enjoy the story first and foremost? I enjoy it now more than ever, I guess. Uh, I think this this month of replaying it, it, it was a game I was probably never going to replay because I don't replay the choose your own adventure type of games like the Telltale games and, and this one. I just never care to see like the other branches that I didn't go down. And the first time I played it, I, you know, over the course of the five episodes, which unfolded, I think over like eight or so months when it originally came out, it was kind of a roller coaster for me. I, I love the idea of it. And then some parts really waned for me and didn't capture me as as much as I was expecting them to or hoping they would. And then ultimately, by the end of it, I thought it was a cool ending, kind of saw a whole bunch of it coming. But I left with a middling opinion. And then this month, when we've went back to it all together, uh, I like it a bit more. I, I do think it's still flawed. I will say our feedback this month, we had more feedback than ever. And it was almost all positive. I mean, there, there are some negative opinions. I only picked a couple out of those, though, because I didn't want to mislead anyone listening who didn't join in, in the forums. The, the forums were, were pretty much in love with this game. And I, I can't say I'm with them and loving it, but I certainly like it. So I had also played this game before, and I didn't like it at all the first time in retrospect. It didn't really work with me. I think part of that was because the game just wasn't very fun to actually play, at least in my opinion. But the second time I was I was actually moderately surprised with my opinion on it. I wouldn't say I love it now or even really like it, but I no longer think that it is bad. So it did my opinion did improve. I recently had that article I read on TA really fantastic last week and uh you know someone <laughs> wrote that uh, talking about the story and is he selfishly plugging? Yeah, yeah, he's self-promoting his editorial last week. <laughs> uh, someone I thought he was selfishly plugging in um we had an editorial that was regarding uh, uh, what do we miss in video games? I don't know who wrote that one either, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that you know, while writing that article, it really got me to think about what in a video game I I want to have in the story that makes it work really well. And what I came down to, my conclusion was that you needed emotion, and you know, at least as the bottom line. And this story, I think, you know, thinking back on it after writing that, really did deliver on those emotional impacts. There were a lot of them that were really, you know, legitimately surprising. There were some decisions that would be pretty tough, uh, you know, especially in the beginning of chapter four when you're dealing with, you know, Chloe being paralyzed and her dad being alive and which one of those decisions is actually better. That's a very tough decision. 
So it's things like those really made the story a lot better, you know, after I had some time to sit on it and really think of it. I will say um, time travel is pretty much my favorite plot device in anything. Like since I was even just a little kid, like anything time travel, I'm probably interested in it. Uh, Hold on, Mark. Can I can I interrupt you? What do you think I think about time travel? Oh, we already know the answer. If I like it, that means you probably don't like it, I guess. Well, that's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. Yeah. We went back in time to figure out that answer. Yeah. So that's kind of why I was so excited to play it. That and, you know, it's got that sort of hipstery vibe that you guys uh, make fun of me for enjoying. And it takes place in the Pacific Northwest where I now reside. And uh, it just it had a lot of elements. It it was it's funny. I actually don't love it more. I mean, I, I don't love it at all. I just like it. But it's it's strange to me that I don't love it because so many individual aspects of it feel like they were made just for me. Like there's constant nods to like Ray Bradbury, the Twilight Zone, the X-Files, Twin Peaks. I mean, Max Caulfield, you know, her last name likely comes from Catcher in the Rye, like full of pop culture references to all the pop culture that I've enjoyed for my whole life. So it seems like Don't Nod in creating this game was giving little nods to all the things that they like and they just happen to be all the things that I like as well. I just wonder if, you know, if their ambition was to make something on the level of those works that they're referencing so often. And, I, you know, I think they fall short of that. I, I don't even think that's controversial. I mean, Life is Strange is not a Ray Bradbury novel by any means, but I guess I'm sort of just echoing what I said and that I like it. But I, I feel like I should have loved it. And, you know, we'll get into what I don't love about it. You sound shameful even saying that. You're like, yeah, I just want to mention <laughs> Well, that. <laughs> yeah, I guess as a side note, you know, we, we took some heat last month for sounding, you know, ultimately negative on Shadow of Mordor, even though Will and I both like that game. I mean, I think Will on Borderline loves it. Would that be right, Will? Or, I mean, you certainly like it. Yeah, no, I, I would argue that it's teetering into that section. Yeah, I, I think part of the problem was my own fault last month in that, you know, the community pretty much enjoyed that game, but I seemed to pluck out a lot of the negative feedback. So this month to better represent all the feedback we got. I, I, like I said, I do have some negative stuff, but overwhelmingly people in the forums adored this game for a multitude of reasons. So I made sure to pull out a lot of that. We actually, there's so much good feedback this month that I'm sorry if, you, if you're not, if you're listening, hoping you get a shout out in this episode. There's there's literally too much to pull. We could do an episode just reading people's feedback. And, and thought provoking too. I really liked reading that feedback. It helped me think about the story a lot more than previous months too. People were really getting into it, which was really great. I figured you know, if Life is Strange won and then, you know, ultimately it did, I figured at least it's going to be a really interesting month in the forums. And that proved truer than ever before so far. I think before this, Alan Wake was probably the best discussion game for this sort of idea that we spawned. But Life is Strange was even more fitting and it was fun to to catch everyone's opinions in there. There were some really great uh, discussions going on. I think since we uh, got into the first time, at least on TA Playlist, a very narrative drawn game i mean not saying that alan wake isn't it but because it's falls into that kind of plateau it's just almost guaranteed to have that type of conversation especially with people with the last choice at the end where i initially and i I probably should have messaged somebody about it or probably just set it up myself but like i kind of wanted to see where did i community land in terms of like percentages of did we save chloe or did we save the town i don't know this is just me speaking out loud but the point being is that uh if you thought you were going to get negativity from me this month you will not even get a shred of it Okay, maybe a shred of it. But for the most part, I'm like 98% positive in this game because I fell in love with it. I don't know how I came across Life is Strange initially, aside from knowing that Remember Me. But actually, when I finished Life is Strange, that's when I started doing a little research into like, oh, oh, okay, these are these people. Interesting. And there was a link. But 
at least for me, and I, I can't say anything like that's not going to make me sound awkward because I'm a New Yorker. We're not supposed to really show emotion and be like that. We're <laughs> tough bravado people. But when we get into games like this, where it's totally not even doesn't even fit, you, would, you wouldn't think a kid like for me would like it. Fell in love with it. I think my main thing was Chloe, even though I wasn't supposed to because she was just such a, a character that. I guess it was drawing the line of you either love her or hate her because she's making these terrible decisions. I don't know. I ended up loving her, finding out that she actually is the, well, the voice actor who plays her, Ashley Birch, the one who won't be in the prequel due to the writer's strike. She is previously featured in Borderlands 2 as Tiny Tina, and I love that character. So I I guess there's maybe some connections here. And I don't know if you knew this, uh, Mark, but or even you, Kev, but she also plays, I'm probably going to say this wrong, Aloy, yeah, on Heroes Dawn. Yeah, yeah, she's she's one of the most prominent um, voice actors. She has an impressive like just history in terms of it. Like seeing her in Mortal Kombat X as Cassie, seeing her as uh, in Minecraft Story Mode as Casey Rose, which most people wouldn't care about, but I did. And Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm still currently playing um, as they release. She plays Nebula, and I would have never guessed it because it sounds like. Well, I mean, it's edited, but obviously I, I just don't link the two together. So it's just interesting to see where she came into fruition with everything. She's huge. I'm, I felt like an idiot when I was like, oh, wow. If you really listen to it closely, they do sound a little vaguely familiar. So, yeah, instead of me blabbing all about Chloe, because apparently I have heart emojis on my eyes for her. Let's just start breaking down each character and just say whether we liked or disliked aspects of them, whether they felt authentic or not. And did the character or actor, whatever you may see in that situation, really meet your expectations in terms of the game. It's only right that we start off with the main character, Maxine. So what do you guys think about Max? You know, I, I said I was going to be positive. Max is probably my least favorite character in all of this. She seems to be just kind of fumbling around. She's not really sure what she wants to do. And that's not really a character I generally like to see, a character type, I guess, that I can connect with very well. So, you know, she went through the motions and, you know, did what that type of character is supposed to do. But I just never really found myself liking her thinking like yeah max this is this is great she's always unsure of herself she's never really taking charge of anything and i just didn't like that i like the other characters but max is is not one that i particularly enjoyed now just to kind of play devil's advocate or even just to think about it don't you think that was the intention like to have her kind of be the passive teenager that's still awkward because that's the vibe i got from it just trying to dictate whether or not it's trying to make it where you feel like you're stuck in her head is this the right thing to do is this wrong or do you feel like that clumsiness just kind of got overshadowed and that's why you didn't really feel much of a an attraction or care for her i don't like max as a person or as a character i understand though why she is in the story and i think she fits well within it she has a good purpose and the story is better off having her be that way i just didn't like her as a character okay Fair enough. Mark, what do you think? With regard to the characters as a whole, I think it's kind of inconsistent, I guess. Max and Chloe, I, I find their relationship very authentic, even when their manner of speech <laughs> comes off as very inauthentic. But, I, you know, they're as the two main characters, they're easy to root for or at least follow, even when you don't agree with the decisions, you know, maybe Chloe's making. I mean, you kind of have <laughs> a direct hand in whatever decisions Max is making. But, you know, they're, they're flawed, especially Chloe. And, yeah, Max is very timid and she's 
in her own head and, you know, we're in her head. So we're, we're, we're a part of that whole process. I really like their relationship. I, you know, uh, someone in the forums, one of the few negative, I didn't even pull it. Someone was talking about how like every character was kind of cookie cutter. And, you know, you had like Nathan, the, the rich entitled kid. And, um, you know, even Mr. Jefferson, who is the person you're supposed to least suspect is the ultimate bad guy. So therefore, of course he is because tropes exist. Actually, I, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't lead off with a negative trope. I mean, a negative piece of feedback, but someone did have, uh, someone echoed that same thing. I should give him a shout out. It was Napo Earth uh, regarding Jefferson being the ultimate bad guy. Said, I had a very strong feeling who the bad guy was fairly early, so I didn't get the twist ending that others seem to have. It's never the first guy they make you suspect, and it's usually the guy they want you to think it is not. This game followed that trope perfectly. Sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but I was, you know, as you guys were speaking, I was just thinking about the characters in general, and some of them are great. Some of them are too familiar to to be enjoyable for me. Like, is it David as well, the stepdad, who's just like the the rough stepfather figure who ends up not being such a bad guy after all? Like, we'd seen a lot of those archetypes before, but Max and Chloe at the heart of it, I think that's what keeps this game alive and keeps it as strong as it is, just because... A story is nothing without a character, a protagonist that's worth rooting for. And at least we have that in Max and Chloe. You know, on the topic of Max and Chloe, I do think that their dynamic worked really, really well. And that's probably what really takes this story and changes it from something that's just completely mediocre, even bad into something that people can really enjoy. They really did feel, I think you said authentic, or at least that's the word I thought of. And, you know, it just... You can tell that like these characters really are friends. You know, they work together. There's really different people, but instantly they have this connection. And Mark said, while the dialogue itself is stupid, the general feeling that you get from it is believable. And it it sounds like what you imagine these two characters might actually feel and say towards each other, or at least, you know, the general gist of it. So really like those two characters as a whole. And I, I like Chloe as a character much better too. So, you know, maybe that's part of it, but you know, they, they were polar opposites. So together they meshed into a whole that was consistently pretty good. Regarding Max and Chloe, it was still though a bit weird when, you know, I know Max and Chloe hadn't hung out in a while. But in the in one of the opening scenes, when Chloe gets shot and Max travels back in time to the classroom again, and that's like her first instance of of using that ability. But, you know, when she's speaking of that moment she just witnessed, she's like, oh, my God, that that girl was shot. It's going to happen again. It's like, yeah, you should have recognized that that was Chloe, though. You know, like that that was just a weird bit of dialogue for me. I even on upon my first playthrough back in like January of what was it? 2015, I think um, my fiance and I were playing it. And later on, we realized that, oh, yeah, they were they've been best friends for a while it's like okay then why didn't you recognize her just because her hair is blue now like i don't know i, I feel like i still would have recognized my former like bff <laughs> in that moment you know but there, there are minor gripes throughout with like little things like that it's not exactly a plot hole i i think that was actually somewhat believable uh simply because you know a lot has happened in chloe's life since max stopped being friends with her she completely changed her attitude her look the chloe max knew wouldn't be you know dealing drugs or whatever she was doing in the bathroom so you have to keep in mind that we you know get a better camera view than max that max is just peeking around the corner probably actually behind it so i you know i the first thing i thought as well especially replaying it was like how did max not recognize her that doesn't make any sense but thinking about it you know realistically i i think it's believable that max wouldn't have actually seen her until she really walked out got a second look at her and then really made that connection since chloe's such a different person now to counter my own point i was just making it it was a highly traumatic event and then furthered by her traveling back in time so i guess that was a a good one-two punch to like jumble her brain a little bit in that moment i know i noticed a bit of a hole because 
there's no other instance in the game where she rewinds so fast that she's no longer in that moment. She reversed back to her desk where she was sleeping, which didn't happen again ever in the game. So it made no sense there. And remember, I said I was got a little slither of negativity. That's kind of it there. Oh, um, you mean, are, are you saying that, you know, she has this power that she controls throughout the game, but there's this one initial instance where it just yeah, happens without instance. her control? Well, when she did it out of fear, but the point being is that she did it and she, what ended up happening is she rewinded or she went back in time so much that she ended up back in the room. Usually when, uh, when she uses the end of the power throughout the game, she's still in the same oh, location. Yeah. So I, I looked at that immediately and I was like, this is stupid. Like, why would yeah, you be able to do that? I, I, I saw what you're saying also. And yeah, she's got basically three ways she can use the power. And that's that's one of the ways, I guess, where, you know, she actually literally moves backwards in time and goes back to a previous point. And then the game never has her do that again. Yeah, Instead, stupid. she can either rewind everything else and remain static or she can kind of go back in time with a picture, but always rubber bands back to the present. However, that gets changed. Whereas the first one really is literally go backwards in time and then live that point on again, which is not something that happened for any further ever happens again. Exactly. So I, I don't know if that's if that's necessarily inconsistent, but it does seem a little, you know, incredible. And I mean that in a way that it is not trustworthy Let's, that she would not use this power again in that way. So, yeah, seeing that you guys mentioned the whole relationship between Max and Chloe, I got to admit something. I initially thought that these characters were younger. I thought they were maybe at the 15, 16 year old age mark. At least that's what the writing makes it seem like. Little did I know that these guys were older as where Max is in 12th grade. And, and unless she was left back or something, she's like in 18, 19. She could be 17. It doesn't really make a difference. But more of a question mark that popped in my head was the moment where you could have had a little more than friend relationship, which is fine if people want to be less lesbian straight gay whatever you could be a chair makes no difference to me but it just felt like the story the for the love arc didn't go anywhere it almost felt like it was there just for the sake of being there and that kind of threw me off because i'm thinking in terms of just what's happening at the end where the hell is what's the girl's name i forget her name not not kate the one that, they, that she i heard it the whole game rachel amber like just thinking in terms like i just wanted to find out what's happening with rachel at the end of the day it was pretty blatantly obvious when in the first episode you just go through a corkboard and there's a million pictures of rachel but nobody seems to find her so i was curious more in terms of that not so much in terms of the relationship aspect of it if it would have went somewhere yeah of course do it. I don't care. But it just kind of felt forced and it wasn't anything appealing to me. I just want another thing that kind of got a little bit under my skin. And you, I don't know if you guys watch any of the, like the DC shows that are on like CW, but there's a show, The Flash. Nerds know it. And the main character, Barry Allen, kind of reminds me of Max Caulfield because of the fact that they travel in time and every single time they do it, they just tend to make things worse. And that kind of got to me because I saw the resemblance and I'm like, Max, is it worth it at the end of the day? Do you want to continue screwing up the future? Because every single decision you made hasn't exactly been the brightest when you're going back. I don't know. <laughs> I just felt I mean, like yeah, that's... it just felt weird because it, I get the purpose behind it because the Flash did it for his wife. But Max and her, like, they didn't seem like enough to sacrifice like everything when the flash did it he affected everybody else yes of course wasn't casualties obviously at the end of life is strange huge amount of casualties let's say a town eh, i don't know seeing that both i saw the alignment and i was like this this needed to be fixed a bit but right. I, I enjoyed it it's weird hanging out with you again i know i'm glad we are though it was nice that you sent me actual letters 
friends more than any of my other friends have done. And you even wrote on that cool parchment paper. That's so Max. So pretentious. But I love writing on it like an English poet. You deserve the best stationery. As far as Max and Chloe and, you know, any potential love interest that's there, I do agree that that was, seemed to be kind of just shoehorned into the game. Same with Max and Warren, really. The, the story's not about Max's love life, but these two things are kind of there, I guess, for realism so that you can kind of feel like, you know, maybe a teenage girl might actually have thought. But on the other hand, I mean, it, it really makes no difference who you choose, whether you choose either one of them. And it does beg the question why that really needed to be included anyway. Maybe I answered my own question, but I, I think I'm still on the boat that those were a little bit unnecessary. Or, you know, maybe it would have even been better if they had been, you know, elaborated upon and given some meaning that isn't there right now. I don't know if it excuses it, because I, I do agree it's kind of shoehorned, I don't, but I don't know if it excuses it necessarily but the fandom for this game is very strong and a lot of people um found max and chloe and you know even some of the other peripheral characters very relatable and part of why this game is so beloved is because it deals with topics that to my memory like maybe no other game does you know like there's the bullying and and um, there's just all the interpersonal high school dynamics like bully gives us a similar setting but it hardly tries to do any of the same things and it was it's also like 12 years old now so it it just i wonder if the option of of making Max and Chloe more than friends in that way if that's just meant to appeal to people who were looking to identify with them even more you know if, if if a young gay man or woman was already loving this game and already loving those characters that might have them enjoy it even more you know I don't, I don't know I just I've seen the the community on the internet community love for this game it's it's very strong and there's lots of cosplayers there's lots of fanfic I mean I, you know I don't read any fanfic I'm, cer I'm certain they're not reading fanfic of Life is Strange but I know it's out there and I just wonder if, you know, it's just uh, it's just an option for, for people to, to make Max more like the player, you know? I think that's exactly what it is. And it, I guess in some ways there's really nothing wrong with that. I guess I can be okay with it. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But <laughs> moving on to Will's other point uh, regarding time travel. Time travel. I, I think generally what he said is that Time travel is not the game really shows time travel in a way that it's not worth it. The outcome isn't usually necessarily what Max thought it would be. And it's not usually even any better, especially at the end. We learn that, you know, the time travel in the first place is what's basically causing the universe to rip apart. So, you know, obviously that's that's a bit of a problem. So <laughs> I understanding I, a bit of a problem. <laughs> So I, I, I think Will's right that, yes, I mean, the game's definitely trying to say that time travel is not worth it. And it constantly teaches us this uh, throughout most of the game, though. There are a few things like, you know, the Kate suicide thing where it shows maybe time travel would have been better since I think most people had probably had her die. The, at least the first time I know a few people in the forums were saying they were reloading it over and over again until Kate didn't die. But, you know, most people, unless you had you know told the story doing the right things the whole time, you know, you didn't even have an option to save her. So the time travel there didn't really end up in being anything but a positive. But for pretty much every other decision, the time travel does nothing but bad things in the end. So I, I think the game is definitely trying to say that time travel maybe isn't as good as it seems like it would be. 
Yeah. And that's sort of a trope of time travel stories too, which is you try to fix one thing. It only makes three other things worse than they were before, even if that one thing was repaired to a, an extent that is enjoyable. But I have so much good feedback. I want to fit some of it in here. So I wanted to share Algorithm, who's one of the people with us every month, sort of echoing a lot of what we're talking about right now. He said, Life is Strange has great dramatic pacing. Episode three underscores the conflict that underlies the story. How do you fix one problem without creating a bigger one? The resolution in episode five is an even stronger gut punch. And it, it's, it's, it's exactly what we're saying that you go back in time to fix A and then B, C, and D now need fixing. See, it, it's like uh, cascading issues. And I've, I've seen it before. I, I think maybe that's why I unfairly judge Life is Strange because I've, I've consumed so much time travel media. You know, a lot of people compared it to the butterfly effect or Donnie Darko. I, I think Donnie Darko is great. I think butterfly effect was cool when I saw it. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's aged well, but um, it is very much like those. It's, it's, you know, a young person. I mean, it's really very similar to Donnie Darko. It's, they're even both like half high school drama, half time travel sci-fi. Don't let me start bashing it. <laughs> Change the subject, but. <laughs> all right. All right. I haven't seen Donnie Darko, so there's that. But, um. Oh, it's really good. I, I tried to watch it. I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes the first time. I was like, please stop. I don't get it. All right. Let's move on to another character that was a pain in the ass and obviously the trope that may annoy everybody. I overlooked, sorry, again, fanboy, but Nathan Prescott. First of all, my personal thing when I first introduced to the character, someone tell me why is there a drug deal that's going on in the woman's bathroom? Like they don't have yards or anything else that would have made sense. Very uncomfortable for a drug dealer. I'm assuming. I don't know. (laughs) And second of all, why do people, I thought this was the, the most, well, not most unrealistic, but like at least a little bit of irritation was that if Nathan has a family that is very wealthy and I understand he contributes to the school, so on and so forth. Do you think the kid can get away with murder? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm a realistic person. Didn't think that. I was like, yo, Max, snitch on that guy. Because if you don't, I don't want to hear it. And then the principal, Lord knows his name. Principal Wells. I think it's Wells because we we have feedback that mentions that decision. It, I just want to say. Principal this, Wells, yes. Principal Wells did absolutely. And he was like, buddy, are you insinuating this? And yes, I'm telling you. This is cold. <laughs> yeah, I'm not insinuating. I'm trying to tell you directly. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not making this up. I am not crazy right now. I'm giving you stone cold facts, but okay, ignore it. That's fine. Again, I overlooked it during the first time, and I still love this game for what it is. But just when you just reviewing it and relooking at certain things, and I do that a lot because I am a film and media major in college. You just look at things and it's like, this doesn't make sense. Why is this here? If this is here, what's the purpose? And I just couldn't seem to connect that. Maybe it's different in Oregon. Maybe the cops don't care. Yo no sé. I, I don't think that that was actually necessarily unrealistic. Of course, to us, we saw it happen. And, you know, your gut reaction is that, you know, oh, my God, there's a threat of murder here. Let's deal with it. And the principal's response is very lukewarm. He doesn't take it very seriously. Now, it, it might be a little unrealistic in that he he basically does literally nothing doesn't even (laughs) attempt to you know say hey nathan come over here let's see if you have a gun but i i think the whole you know idea that he he kind of brushed it under the rug is actually probably fairly accurate you hear about it all the time 
stories where tragic things happen in schools and there's a lot that the administration could have done if they were more receptive to it and they just never were because you know frankly i imagine they get this kind of stuff all the time and maybe they just become desensitized to it and start thinking that you know if that's the case i'm moving out of Oregon. gonna happen hey, and don't don't it's get me wrong not i'm not thing. i'm not defending it's an Oregon. Oregon just allows school shooters every day no it's not <laughs> uh, I, i'm not defending principal wells or, or any principal in real life that does that kind of thing but I, all I'm trying to say is that I don't think Principal Wells' response is, is outside the bounds of reality to where it's not believable. I think that that is a very, at least the general gist of it, is very believable and could have happened. I think the extent to which it wouldn't have is just, again, down to poorly written dialogue and yeah. not the story in general. I, I just wish he wasn't so passive. Mark, tell me, what do you think about Principal Wells? Well, yeah, with regarding that decision point I mean, or that like dialogue moment, I guess, I... I think I, this might be the first time we might need a sound drop or something, but I think I completely agree with Kevin. Uh, what? I, <laughs> huh? I know it feels Wait, weird. I don't know what to do next. Agree but with Kevin? A broken clock strike <laughs> twice a day. You know, Mark, Mark has finally found the light. Yeah. <laughs> At least for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> All right, keep going. Oh my god! <laughs> I could totally see a a principal, you know, who's been at his job probably for years. You know, eventually you do get desensitized to to certain actions or certain claims, and you kind of take everything in stride. And he brushed it off pretty easily there, of course. But I, I do think a lot of it. I, I think you actually nailed it, Kevin. This is weird for me, but <laughs> we're in the twilight zone here. <laughs> I I do think it does come down to just dialogue, like any sort of discomfort that you get watching that and thinking, you know, that that doesn't feel realistic to me. I think it just comes from the dialogue, which is you know often an issue for this game, or at least you know sometimes if we want to be nice, but. <laughs> I, I didn't have an issue with that, and you know, I, I have several issues with this game, despite liking it a lot. But uh, that wasn't one of them for me. I just realized we didn't even talk about Nathan. Did we like or dislike? Obviously, we we're meant to dislike him. But what, what did we really think about him? For me, it was passive. I was like, okay, he's that guy, because we all know that one guy. No offense to any Nathan in the world, we all know one person we consider the hero or heroine. I mean, he's obviously a cliche, but I did like how they sort of make him a sympathetic character by the end, you know, like he's got some mental health issues and it, <laughs> the game sort of demonizes him for that early on. And to to a great extent, rightfully so. I mean, the dude's shooting people in the bathrooms. That's usually not cool. But, but you know, by the end, you, you see that um, he was like sort of the protege, but also sort of the pawn and to some extent, you know, I don't want to completely remove him from any blame, but he was sort of, I don't know, it's, it sounds weird, but can, can I say that he's victimized by Jefferson a little bit just because he kind of takes him under his wing and, you know, Nathan's not, he's not all there. He's not healthy mentally. And Jefferson's just sort of like uh, teaching him how to bind and torture. <laughs> This sounds very kinky. I don't like this. I mean, I, I do think it's fair to say that Jefferson definitely made Nathan worse and, you know, twisted him around and used him. You know, Nathan was probably always a piece of trash. But he, <laughs> he wasn't necessarily a murderous psychopath until Jefferson basically normalized that for him and told him, you know, this is the way you want to be. So I, I do think that Jefferson holds part of the blame, but also there's no redeeming qualities about Nathan at all. And even if you do have mental health issues, you know, there's there's ways to deal with that. That doesn't excuse him murdering people in the bathroom or anything <laughs> like that. So I mean, I, I don't think 
think Nathan is a likable character, but could he have been redeemed in different circumstances? Yes. And I think that's what the game is trying to say, that even when somebody ends up being pretty bad and not likable at all, it's all a product of their circumstances. And, you know, the people around Nathan could have saved him from this fate. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have any redeeming qualities, but I guess his redemption arc comes from the the revelation towards the end. I mean, they slowly build it throughout the game, too. There's little foreshadowing nods throughout that don't really make sense until the complete context is available at the end. His voicemail at the end definitely does, you know, show that he's realized what's wrong. And I don't think anybody forgave him for what he did, I guess. Yeah, I don't think you're really supposed to. But, you know, his voicemail does show that at least he's realized what's wrong. And you may be at least feel for him you know he's basically ruined everything for himself and that kind of sucks i think you are meant to feel bad for him and i i definitely did you know it wasn't i mean it was it was his actions but he wasn't the only one that got himself there there were other factors that came together and pushed him onto this dark path that ended up being a pretty terrible place to be for him all right so let's go to the non-sympathetic will here who gave absolutely no concerns about Nathan (laughs) because once you pull out a desert eagle on me we're fighting it's not happening (laughs) but I did not feel for him in any sort of way honestly I guess they tried to and at the end of the day I was too like my guy you pulled a gun out on my homegirl what is wrong with you this is not gonna happen I didn't really care at that point I understand that there was mental issues behind it and again this way where I may sound a little insensitive and in real life if it was something like that I think I'd be a little more forgiving however in this game Nathan got under my skin and I think there's just low-key reasons why because during middle school and I think everybody's been through it before but the bullying aspect I don't know like I was bullied and then became the bully I don't know how how that ended up happening but I know I saw both perspectives and I'm like this isn't cool and I don't give a pass for nobody because honestly in my with my experience it was just like i'm absolutely a monster this is who i need to not become that is just me realizing having like epiphanies in freaking seventh grade which makes absolutely no sense but it happened it's a true story hashtag don't bully yo and uh <laughs> speaking of bullying let's talk about kate marsh yeah we, we had a lot of good feedback on that yeah, on that decision point specifically from a gameplay perspective, but we can talk about her as a character as well. Let's jump into it. At least for me, Kate Marsh, during my first playthrough, when we got to that point where things were happening, first of all, I felt terrible for her since day one because I'm one of those people when I play and I have an option to talk to other people. I do it in Telltale Games all the time. I speak to everybody. When people watch me play, they're like, please just shut up and finish the game. No, I'm like, I want to see this person here because this voice actor got paid for something. I want to see if it's entertaining <laughs> or worthwhile. Damn it, I paid. So let me enjoy it you know i i automatically felt bad for her immediately and granted it's even though it's from a female perspective and a lot of i would say males wouldn't see this as a big thing but when you see like rumors of you making out with somebody because you were drugged or you were high or whatever the situation may be from a girl's perspective it's very at least what i perceive it as like that's a big game changer for that because people's perspective changes on you like for guys it's like oh whatever you slept with somebody girls is a whole different ballgame so immediately when i saw that i'm not a feminist i swear but i immediately was just upset you're all over the place today i am i am totally you know i'm I'm very passionate about it because i like again all girls grew up with it i've seen it happen before it is not a fun thing and i just just seeing her try to do things is like i I, I'm, i'm generally rooting for somebody who doesn't exist and i want them to do better and i tried my best to like you know always like when i have options to try to see it like i think it was to go to a dorm try to talk to her i always try to be like the friendly happy go lucky guy instead of just be like brush off like you don't matter 
I was definitely trying to see if I can help her. And I was very heartbroken to find out that she was committing suicide. And I know there was a way to go around it because as soon as I had to the option, I'm like, I'm not going to make this happen. I will stop the game and I will restart it. But it was I didn't want to go way back in the episode. So I was like, screw it. She's going to die just because I'm lazy. But I didn't want her to die. And that means something. I tell you guys. But I think I should stop blabbering. What do we think about Kate or what was the result that ended up happening with her? Did she live? Did she die? Somebody jump at it. I think that the the whole thing with Kate is another example, you know, like Principal Wells is, you know, dealing with Nathan of the system not really working for people. I think that's one of the themes of this game, at least as far as the high school aspect goes. Kate approaches Jefferson, who we know is evil and awful, but also not in that way. I mean, he's still a teacher and he still does seem to care about the students in a way. So in that way, he's just playing the role of the standard teacher who doesn't give the student the time that she needs to make her better. Just like no one else seems to really either. There's bullying from everyone. It's just a a terrible situation. All these factors coming together to end up in one really bad outcome so i think that's one of the things the game is trying to show us and i think it does a pretty effective way of doing it and to me at least it does feel realistic i i can see this having happened in real life it probably has happened very similarly in real life so in that way kate's very very realistic and i do want to talk about the gameplay aspect of that as well since it does change but first i'd like to to hear what mark has to say about kate it's weird but i'm still kind of echoing what, what you're saying i guess kevin it's uh what is going on <laughs> is first um, time. <laughs> i thought i thought the kate arc you know i mean for some people it ends pretty early what was that episode two i think when that can happen or maybe maybe something along those lines it was very quick into the series yeah Yeah, i think it's the end of episode two i thought it was realistic and i thought it was you know it wasn't relatable for me i'm I'm not devoutly religious nor was i like terribly bullied and hate marsh and i don't have a lot in common but i think you know everyone who went through any sort of school system public or private i'm sure it's all the same we all know that there were people that were targeted for bullying more than others and you know, sometimes we might have been the good guy and reached out to those people and other times we didn't. And I thought it was it was very well done of the game to allow you to insert yourself into Kate's life and try to cheer her up and try to befriend her. And, and ultimately, you know, that's how you can save her, too, is if you took all those steps by the end, you know, all the right answers. That's one of the th- things that the game does the best. And it's it's what this game deserves the most praise for, I think, which is touching these subjects that, like I said, I can't recall any other game that has yet. Oxenfree does to, to a lesser extent, but Oxenfree is way more sci-fi than Life is Strange, I would say. It's more of like a ghost creepy story. But um, it was familiar, I guess. It, I'd seen it before, and I think probably anybody has. Now, life or death. Tell us what happened. And by the way, those who are listening at the moment, I have a bad memory. I couldn't tell you what I had for breakfast. So give me the pass here. All right. I I couldn't tell you what was happening in Kate's life. All right. People were dying. I had to figure this out. Anyway, Kevin, tell us, did she survive? At least for you? She did not survive. Uh, You know, in the first playthrough, I felt really bad the second time. I did kind of try to save her, but I still chose wrongly. And I really liked what the game did there. To kind of show you the effect of time travel and not having it then. You've had it the whole game. You've been able to, you know, make this decision and you just rewind if you don't like the outcome. And it becomes very easy very quickly in that game. People just naturally do it. Same thing like in Forza games. If they give you that rewind, you just use it constantly over and over and over again so that you always have perfect laps. It's, I mean, you're doing the same thing here. And when the game then takes that away, 
suddenly it puts a lot of heaviness and weight onto the decisions you're making. You know, this is a life and death decision for this character and you have to say the right things at the right time and you need to have made the right actions in the past even. I really, really liked the way that that went into the game. I I thought that was probably the single strongest scene in the entire game where you didn't have any time travel. And the fact that you had it everywhere else is what gave it so much weight and validity. Yeah, it was it was so weighty, in fact, that I recalled our, upon my fiancé and my first playthrough, um, I have to admit, we kind of cheated the system and just looked up the right answers. Like, I don't know. How dare you? <laughs> it wasn't genuine. Well, How dare you? We, we couldn't... <sighs> I'd like to say it was her idea, but I was certainly complicit. You know, I, I didn't how stop dare her. It. Emily, how dare you? <laughs> Which, yeah, it's it certainly, uh, in retrospect, it's it's a regrettable decision. Likely she would have died in my playthrough because those are tough questions um, and correct answers are tough to recall or, you know, even gather. Some people might not have even have gathered the correct answers to provide. But yeah, we that moment is still impactful. It probably could have been more memorable for us if we didn't ruin it that way. I do have two bits of feedback regarding the, that moment with Kate that were both well said. Pezboy Ben wrote, So many shocking moments in this game for me, made for some really tough decisions. Kate committed suicide in my playthrough and I was convinced it was predetermined. When I learned that it wasn't and I was just a bad friend, I felt awful. And then Dresden N7 says, I think kind of what you were saying, Kevin, said, speaking of Kate's suicide, that scene is one of the best uses of choice and consequence in a game that I've ever seen. Yeah, I, and I completely agree with that and I think that's what I'm trying to say is that you know all these you know decisions throughout the entire at least so far in the game come together and if you didn't make the right ones even if you are trying to cheat the system and go back and use the right answers it's possible i'm pretty sure to not be able to save her uh, simply because you didn't do the right things beforehand so you know this is and a lot of games let you do you know the whole do you want to be the bad guy do you want to be the good guy nobody puts much effort into those because usually things happen you know especially in telltale games if someone's gonna die they're going to die. might not happen in one way, but they're dying, you know, beginning of the next episode anyway, because the game wants to clear them out. In this game, that didn't happen. You could save Kate and she would stay alive throughout the entire rest of the game. She even got extra scenes that you wouldn't, you would miss out on if she died. So, you know, there was, there was a lot of impact here and it, it really actually made, you know, the good or bad persona that you wanted to put on your character matter. All that stuff really makes your character into a real villain who actually ends up being unable to save someone you might have wanted to save. So there was a real consequence to doing that. And I really liked that. Yeah. And two more pieces of feedback that just in general were praising the game, but I'm sure they would, both of these people would point to this moment as an example of what it does well. Periodic RX said, this is much better than any other game of its type, obviously calling out Telltale. <laughs> um, and then more directly, Stevo6483 said, it's easily my favorite point and click game so far. I think Telltale could learn a few things from Don't Nod. And that's certainly one of them. Like you said, it's, I might choose to save one person over another in a telltale game but you kind of get the idea now after the, of, after they've been doing this for like five or so years of these um these reimagined story driven point and clicks the whomever you save they're probably not long for that story regardless and um you're right and these guys are right in the forums here that telltale's formula was improved upon in in some ways not in every way but certainly in some very important ways with uh life is strange listen you guys don't cut ass on telltale all right that's those are my guys all right me and them 
even though they don't acknowledge me on Twitter. But that's perfectly fine. I feel like we've been talking a lot about characters, and I kind of want to put this one with a bow. If we can kind of sum up our impressions or what we thought with the whole Rachel mystery, which was didn't feel like much of a mystery to me. I feel like I knew that from the beginning. But um, also just the quote-unquote bad guy teacher jefferson i was gonna say professor jefferson i don't know why what did we ended up thinking about that in its entirety just to sum up my ideas make it very quick i didn't really care too much about rachel i know that that was a driving factor and i know i said it earlier it's gonna sound like i'm I'm going against myself i'm not i was interested more in the mystery aspect of it because obviously it was something that they wanted you to think about since the first episode it was very evident and the fact that it ended up being jefferson i'm not gonna lie when i first saw it i, I should have seen it a miles away a thousand miles away but i was like <gasps> what that's for me and then also when I replayed it or you look into it, you're like, yeah, this isn't <laughs> like I could have saw this. I should have known this. But him as a character or a bad guy didn't do much for me. But when you start to realize how creepy he is and how that came into what he was doing with drugging girls and so on and so forth to quote unquote capture their essence. A little weird, a little awkward. <laughs> but uh, what do you guys think about that one? I found him to be completely unrealistic. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um... But but it wasn't. I don't think Life is Strange is supposed to be something that's quote unquote. Like, at least when he got to that point, towards the end, realistic. Like, certain things, yeah, but, like, I, I could totally... I'm not saying Oregon or spots like that, but... Go on what's, all, what's all this Oregon hate, man? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Portland, Coming man. Coming hard on a lot of good people in this episode. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't know if that happens. Like, I know you could look up in Reddit, and they have, like, some sick stuff like that. And I, I just recently watched a movie that... The only way it links into it is because it's, it's like, you can look up stuff on people, weird things that they've done that are definitely deserve... Uh, punishment. Just watching a movie Death Note, which we're not even going to get further into that one. People were just being able to see like their stuff on like Reddits or other forums or in dark webs and stuff like that. Just after reading that, like being able to see it because I have looked on a dark web. These people do exist that do awkward, deranged things. They, Did they I do? They, they undoubtedly exist, but I don't think any one of them is disguising him or herself as a relatable, intuitive, like down to earth art teacher could be sociopath psychopath man i find that duality of, of mr jefferson to be completely bogus I, I i don't buy that for a minute i i thought the game was doing so well i guess this is where i come down hard on the game but i thought the game was doing so well juggling as a time travel story and as a high school drama you know i don't, I don't have any issue with you know some people say oh it's just a high school game it's just about teenage girls like it is but i mean it's you know it's it's more than that it's at its core it is though and that's totally fine with me i don't think i don't see that as a bad thing i thought it was doing that well i thought it was doing the time travel you know pretty well I, i'm kind of a time travel snob but i thought it was still entertaining at least and then, it, you know, for them to just do the, the, the twist that you're right, we probably should have seen coming. I mean, I did see it coming, to be honest. I'm, <laughs> I don't want to pat myself on the back yeah, too hard, just, but don't do that. <laughs> it was it was kind of obvious um, midway through the game. You know, for it to take that quick change from a time travel high school drama hybrid into suddenly it's like a like a serial killer story. And it's I just I didn't find that believable at all. I didn't find Mr. Jefferson interesting at that point anymore. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> like I said, this is where I have my biggest issue with the game. You know, I actually sorry to get back to disagreeing with Mark, but no, really kind of <laughs> kind of thought that the Jefferson arc was OK. You know, as a mystery 
I don't think it was very well told. There's not a whole lot of mystery going on. You literally just don't know what happened to her. And then, you know, all of a sudden you just basically find out. So, you know, this isn't Sherlock Holmes. You know, it's it's okay. I would have liked it to be a little bit more of a detective type thing, but it wasn't. As far as, you know, the outcome goes, it was also a bit predictable. So I guess the mystery I really didn't like. I wanted to like it, but it just, it didn't work out that way. But Mr. Jefferson's character, I, I kind of appreciated. He's kind of, you hear about artists occasionally who are very demented, at least, especially in media, they pop up all the time. I assume these people exist in reality as well. They're just like dark artists and, you know, what Jefferson's saying is kind of on the extreme end, certainly, but you know, as, as a character, while maybe not totally believable, I did kind of like the way that they went with him. I, for one, did not see it coming at all. I thought that he was just going to be, you know, the stereotypical teacher, you know, just like the principal that didn't help out. And that was kind of his role. And then, you know, turns out he's a villain. I, I was I was legitimately surprised. And at the same time, you know, I didn't think I can't believe that this is the way it is. I thought I can't believe I didn't see that coming. I think that's what a lot of people were saying. In that way, I, I really think that it was pretty successful. Look, this is it. This is it. Are you going to help me, Max? Chloe, stop. Look. Please, no. Oh, oh, that smell. Rachel. Oh. No, Rachel, no, no, please, not her. Chloe. Rachel, why? I'm sorry, Chloe. I'm so sorry. I loved her so much. How can she be dead? What kind of world does this? Who does this? <laughs> yeah, well, Mr. Jefferson was hella awkward. And you know what's crazy? I feel like the dialogue was a little too awkward for me. I feel like the community may have voiced their opinion in terms of the choice of vocabulary they used in this game. And I can't say because I am not from Oregon. So, Mr. Oh Oregon himself, <laughs> he's going to educate us on terms they use. It is not an Oregon. Listen, I am not a native Oregonian. I, I don't care to defend it if, if you're slinging like legitimate criticisms at it. But this is not an Oregon thing. <laughs> <laughs> my criticism no i know but it's been an, an all all episode thing i'm starting to wonder about you but uh <laughs> I, I i did want to mention in the forums uh we did have a lot of talk about dialogue and since i've played it the first time i was never sure if it was deliberately off the mark or if it was purposely off the mark or if maybe it's not off the mark at all and maybe i'm the one out of the loop i mean i'm 28 so maybe you know kids you know, 18 year olds, maybe this is how they're talking right now. I just, it doesn't seem that way to me. I have younger siblings. They're not speaking this way. I th I think Don't Nod went overboard with it. And I, I've never been able to tell if it was deliberate or not, or if maybe they have no idea that it was so off the mark. I know they took some criticism for it and sort of toned it down throughout the episodic releases, which was, um, which was welcome from me and many others. But there was a, a really, what I, I found a f to be a fascinating comment in the forums. Uh, unfortunately, it's from a gamer tag. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. It looks like E-Ragged. <laughs> it's E-A-Y-R-A-G-T. I was wondering if maybe 
it's something spelled backwards, but it doesn't even look like that's the case either. But anyways, he or she said, the biggest complaint I read about this game is the annoying teen speak, yet I rarely hear complaints about the equally annoying over-the-top macho speak present in many other games. Now, I don't know if he or she was you know, nodding that it might be like an issue of gender or or not. I mean, even if it isn't, I think it's a fascinating point that Life is Strange does take a lot of heat for having some cringy dialogue, yet we don't even blink at like the stupid things that people in Gears of War and similar games say, you know, and there's a lot to unpack with that. I just wonder, maybe I'll throw it to you guys. Do you guys think Life is Strange deserves the criticisms? Does it does it get to more than it deserves? Um and how how do you think it relates to like how we judge the other games? Because personally, for me, I I do criticize Life is Strange dialogue in, in writing. I think a lot of it's pretty bad, but I also think um, I fairly criticize all the other you know such macho games and stuff like that that do the same thing. So I already said it a million times. I'm I'm fanboying over this one. So yeah. I do see the writing where it does seem like it's a little bit out there, but also I can't put myself in those shoes, obviously, because being from the East Coast, we have a whole different dialect. We don't talk. Uh, Yeah, I'm making it all. East Coast bias for you. I'm from the East Coast, you know. No, you're not. Nope. You're Oregon now, buddy. (laughs) No, but seriously, there's, there's a certain slang and dialect and... It's definitely not something that you would hear in a video game. So when it it sounds a little weird to me, like I picture and it's bad that I know about it, but like a Zoe 101, which is like a Nickelodeon show that used to be there, Jamie Lynn Spears. But she they spoke a little weird, too. And that was based off the West Coast. So I'm not sure if it's just me not being blatantly educated or familiar with the terms people use or me just being out of touch in general. I never said anything like that. But in terms of other games, and when I think of like writing along those lines uh, where we get into that macho one line annoying Duke Nukem stuff, I kind of like we're and I'm sorry, this is going to be a once in a lifetime thing where I kind of agree with Kevin. He said it in the previous episode about popcorn type movies. There's sometimes those popcorn dialogues that characters go or monologues where they speak and it's just like it's terrible it's cheesy but depending on your approach it can be very enjoyable and for the most part i'm not very crucial when it comes to that unless if it's a writing that feels completely disconnected to the actual genre and the content itself that's when it's like okay well this is terrible for that blatant reason when it goes into other territories where entertainment i'll let it fly you know the dialogue for me I'm on the same boat as Mark in that generally video games are pretty awful with dialogue. I I don't think that the writers necessarily always know how to how to make that sound natural. And then, you know, it's also just inherently unnatural because it's in a video game, which I think kind of highlights it even more. So, you know, it's not entirely the writer's fault either, certainly. It's just the way the medium works. It sounds false. I, at least that, that's how I see it. But this game specifically, I, I don't think it was really any worse than anything else. You know, the comment from E.A. Giddens, so. That's uh, a yeah, he said, uh, he, you know, it, they do have horrible dialogue and stuff like Gears of War and really tons of games. It's not believable here. You know, I have known people from the West Coast that use the word hella, you know, multiple people, not even just one. So no, <laughs> we're still talking about East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. Probably they they did because even the people that used it didn't really talk like that. But I, I think the way Chloe was done, West Coast punk, okay, maybe could have been a real person. So I I think that a lot of it is just some people not really understanding that there are actually people that use these words. And did these European developers, you know, obviously they just had to research it. They didn't actually live through this. So 
it's it's a little unrealistic but it's i guess the bottom line while the dialogue's bad it's not any worse than any other game so i i don't think that the criticisms are really justified yeah what a few what a few people were saying regarding the dialogue was yes it was cringy but they would sort of just extract the main points from it and almost like sort of translate it in their own head to something more tolerable basically you know i think uh Kintaris said that i believe hopefully i'm not misattributing that but i mean several people did anyways i think that's just one that i recall you get the gist of what they're saying and you just kind of shrug off the parts that are kind of poorly written (laughs) and i think that's what i normally do when i'm playing a game i mean like i said i think it's always bad so you know what they really meant to say and i just kind of in my own mind forgive them for saying it very badly (laughs) at least at least that's what i do you think the dialogue's bad for life is strange wait till you see next month but that's a different story (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to get in a piece of feedback here from someone who hasn't joined us before regarding dialogue. Stormy Ash 0450 said, My reservation about the heavy usage of slang in this case is that without it, the story could have been timeless. By that I mean that I think one of the quickest ways for a work to become dated is to overuse slang. It becomes rooted in that time, and it doesn't take long for the times to leave it behind. When it's done for... Sorry, this one's a bit long, but it was good. <laughs> when it's done for the sake of period authenticity and competently executed, it can be a great effect. And he or she puts in parentheses back to the future when it's done to resonate with a specific demographic in parentheses bill and ted's excellent adventure it just doesn't age the same life is strange as usage of slang strikes me as the latter since i don't think it was otherwise critical for the story to strongly identify with 2013 the booyahs and hellas and bras seem really out of place to my ears and eventually also will to anyone who actually talks like that without them the dialogue was perfectly colloquial and believable and the game would have been more broadly relatable so i thought that was a an interesting take that rings pretty true i don't have any deep affection for either movie that he or she cited you know obviously is it bad that i disagree no is it's it? not bad <laughs> i feel like it's bad you want to know why i think of it when it comes to any type of music and it, it's definitely evident because i think we confirmed prior that i'm, I'm a big hip-hop head and it's very very easy for and i get it it's two different mediums shouldn't even apply but if something's executed well and obviously with my fanboyism i feel like this was executed well i definitely can tell you that i would remember this game you can quote me on this i I doubt you would want to but give me an additional 10 years i'd probably still know everything that's going on and remember this game because for me it was relevant and for me i feel like it captured the essence of what they're looking for which he kind of did or she kind of brought into fruition but i think of it like when it's referring to a song like when a song sometimes can have these pop culture references that if it's a good song people will continue to say it but people may not be familiar with it but it's still because of the fact that it's considered i'm not saying life is strange classic but if it's remembered 10 years down the line it's gonna have that it's gonna hold that same relevance and it's gonna connect just like that because let me tell you something whether you like notorious big or not a lot of people are the younger i'm saying like and this is weird because i'm in college and i deal with younger kids 97 98 99 have no idea that the Twin Towers blew up the first time, and they refer it oh, in Jesus the song. Christ. I'm, listen, I'm going off tangent, but you get what I mean. If it's relevant and it keeps, I mean, I would see the positive influence to those who enjoyed it, and obviously that's why we're getting the prequel and so on and so forth, I think it still holds weight, and I think it, it doesn't necessarily give it a negative aspect or tangent of it. So, you, know, well, you heard tell- it here first, folks. Notorious <laughs> B.I.G. is basically just like no, Life is Strange. no, no. No, no. Here, let me let me help you out with this then. Well, why don't you tell me some of your favorite sayings from the 1800s? I have no interest in the 1800s. 
Well, that's that's why I'm I'm sure that there are works that were very great at the time that used all kinds of language like that. What does the 1800s have in this situation? Because the the quote's point was that if the story had been made in such a way that it could have fit into any time, like I guess Shakespeare does, you know, it uses the dialogue of the time, obviously, and that's dated. But the stories, at least, are just stories about people. They don't really refer to the current duchess or something like that. No, of so, course not. But, when, so, when, but, but those stories become timeless because they're so relatable and they aren't really attached to the time period. And so the point of the thing was that when you're purposely attaching it to that time period, it stops being quite so relatable. 50 years in the future, no one's going to remember Life is Strange. And I won't say that that's obviously the only reason why, but it didn't help. So I, I think I think that's the point. And same thing with Notorious B.I.G., a kid Don't you that's do born it. today, they're not going <laughs> to care about him except for, you know, if they get really into that genre and then go back and work to understand it. But first listen, they're not going to care. And, you know, a lot of that is is because it's rooted in its own time. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I or rather, I guess I do agree with the quote and I, I disagree with you. Well, I don't like you anyway. I, my point being, and I believe it or not, it's awkward as I made it because I made it about Twin Towers and all this other stuff and Biggie. My connection was saying that because of the fact that, and I can't say I personally think it's authentic, but it, it was so unique and there was something about the story completely where I think that when you come into the teenage things and the, just the way they speak, I haven't played a game that will link like that. And well, I can't guarantee you that. So I most likely won't come across a game that will hold that type of stature because of the way that they used the commentary or shall I say dialogue and utilize it into the game will it become timeless no but any video game i don't think any game video game at least in the modern generation no one can foresee if something's like that's going to be timely. obviously you get bigger that ones like more likely than others though and maybe i'm thinking in terms of the fanboy but for me <laughs> i can tell you I think, and it, maybe it's just me being overly positive, but I really do think that if I'm old and gray and I have an opportunity to show this game to grandchildren or children or whatever it may be, this is going to stick out for me because this is unlike anything I've ever played. And maybe because I had such a good experience with it, it holds that significance to me. And maybe I'm just the only person. Maybe I'm just crazy. It's possible. But but, but then we're going to be living in the Matrix and they're going to be like, quiet, grandpa. Nobody wants to play your teeny bop. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> they don't even know what the hell Teeny Bob is. <laughs> this is uh, but to, uh, to your credit, though, Beta Sig X twenty did. Uh, he's kind of yeah. comes to your aid in the forum. Let's go, Beta. <laughs> you get a virtual said, hug. I'm sending you a virtual hug right now. Is the, he said? Is the teen speak annoying sometimes? But these are pretentious high school kids at an exclusive art school. I feel like it would be less realistic if they weren't annoying to some degree. Okay. Well, he summed it up, and he didn't sound crazy. So. <laughs> The ending. And I think this may be a good time for Mark just to kick it up because I couldn't tell you fully about the trolley problem. So let's get Mark to kind of educate you on this because I can't speak it to English. Mark, what is the trolley problem and how does it relate to what we're referring to? A lot of people are surely already familiar, though. The trolley problem is basically a, a philosophical like thought experiment that <clears throat> imagines a scenario where a train or a trolley is barreling down the tracks and it's about to run over one person say i mean some of these details can change but just for example say it's about to run over one person and you have the ability to alter the train's course or the trolley's course to to keep in sticking with the name i guess i should say two people are on that original track you can alter it to run over instead just one person the question posed is do you do that and we can kind of take it step by step but that's step one so just before we continue with it do you do you let the train run over the one person because your your hands will be completely clean of the the matter 
or, or rather the, the two people? Or do you shift it so the train veers off down different track, runs over the one person instead because, you know, technically the greater good, if we're just speaking in, in numbers here, like two people is worse dying than one person dying. There's more to it, but I mean, obviously people who have played the game, which is likely everyone listening, know where I'm going with this. But just before we get any more into it, what, what would you do in that situation? Would you let the two people die and, and keep your hands free of it? Or would you intervene and kill the one person instead? I mean, clearly what it's getting at is by taking an action, does that make you therefore morally wrong yeah. in that you should have let it happen anyway? Because in some people's eyes, you're a murderer if you switch the track to the one and you've killed one person. Whereas if you just let it happen, two people died, but it wasn't your fault. In my opinion, if you have the ability to stop it, especially with such ease and you choose not, you're still making a decision. And so either way, those people's deaths are on you because you could have you know, prevented it. That makes the choice very easy. Save two lives or save one life. That's the choice. And it's a choice you have to make. And either way, you're killing someone with your decision. So obviously, I save the two. This is going to be a wrong answer. There's going to be police right at my door. I can tell. If you relate it, honestly, I start to think this is like the classic superhero conundrum. Honestly, yeah, even though it it's is. two different. Uh, yeah. So it's it's and I see it as just like you do. You sacrifice one to save millions or you kill millions to save one it's usually vice versa or different but point being is that that this was this is what we come across when we watch any single uh, superhero movie i personally believe that every decision there's a decision to be made either way either way you're you're on the crap end of the stick because somebody's gonna blame you and guess what you gotta make what you consider the most ethical choice i would say i agree with kevin in terms of sacrifice one to save two but obviously there if there's more and uh, this is just a general sense but it, this may differ in the context and obviously this links into life is strange and uh, my choice spoke for itself as i saved the town and said chloe yeah bye catch you later so uh maybe i'm a bad person who knows like i said there's so now envision yourself in the same scenario but the the one person is you know like your brother or your mother or your partner or just wh- whomever it may be like now what do you do <laughs> i stick with the same thing call me an asshole i don't care yeah if i could put myself on the tracks i easily would but i think like morally i would have a very hard time not saving the two people even if they were total strangers you know obviously as you add more facts that color situation more what if they're both you know two convicted murderers serial killers whatever you know then maybe you were about to say that but all that kind of stuff you have to weigh the pros and cons basically so it's not necessarily one life versus two life it you have to weigh the value of those lives but i i would have well i mean for for I, some I people it is literally just a numbers game though that's that's one logical end that yeah. certain people might make i'm not saying it's the one i would make but that no it is yeah. i mean i i would have a very hard time making that decision especially if it was just one versus two, you know, if it were the, an entire country versus, you know, one of my loved ones, I don't think I could morally live with myself. If I save them, I yeah. assume none of them would want me to, if I was going to kill millions of people. Well, it depends you what know. country, but keep going. <laughs> but you know, it's not a simple question is I guess what I'm getting into. And if you make it two complete strangers, completely normal, comparable to my loved one. And then my loved one on the other one, I don't know what the answer is to that. That's going to be really hard. But like I said, either way, morally, I'm going to think that I'm the one doing, it and that's what makes it so hard. I can't just say switching the track. Therefore it's going to be murder. So I'm just going to do nothing. And you know, it's going to be okay. That's which is still technically murder. Ever gonna think. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think the inaction there is just as bad as the action 
Yeah. So, and as you can see, it's definitely um, a problematic idea to, to crop up and, and try to work through, especially when when it's all hypothetical. You know, in the in the moment, you know, we might even behave differently than we say we do now. But obviously, it, it relates directly to Life is Strange because the end of Life is Strange essentially is the trolley problem. You can save Chloe and sacrifice the town. The the game seems to imply it's just the town. Maybe that makes it easier for some people if it was if it was, you know, maybe some people are happy sacrificing the town in favor of Chloe, but they wouldn't be sacrificing they wouldn't be comfortable doing it if it was the world versus Chloe. I don't know. The, the game seems to imply that it's it's only Arcadia Bay. To me at least it seems like the correct ending is to sacrifice Chloe because like Sam said in the forums because I brought this question up in the forums as well and I'm uh, sorry I shouldn't say Sam we, we know him as Sam as Kantaris on the, on the forums he said that the, the game deals seems seems to play a lot with destiny and pre predetermination and if it was always Chloe's destiny to die then Max her decision really shouldn't be that difficult at all because are you going to further keeping her alive against the space-time continuum that so obviously wants her dead in like a final destination sort of way like you could sacrifice the town and then what Chloe is still like on the run from her destiny or whatever you know like my, one of my favorite shows Lost deals with this stuff too uh, spoilers but <laughs> but I don't know just to me it, it does seem like the sacrifice Chloe ending is the correct ending I know there, there's for, there's feedback I'll read in a moment where other people disagree and they think that the endings were equally viable. Um, I didn't see it that way, though. What would you guys think? I'm going to argue and say that no ending is the incorrect or correct ending. So don't feel bad if you saved her. Don't feel bad if you saved a town. It's all hypothetical. Now, I can say that, honestly, when it came down to it, it was difficult, but for a split second. I wasn't pondering way too hard. Immediately thinking into terms of it, Chloe kind of was out the life came back but then you start to do it and i'm linking it back to the superhero thing you start to realize how much negativity surrounds this one character and i mean i don't know if she was destined to die like my boy sam was saying but it's just you start to see how many times you work around it and you you see the negative effects that come into it and i i mean it's it's unique with this game because you have the time travel option well, I mean, other games may explore it, but it's, for this specific trolley situation, you can see what the possibility can be and you can work a way around it. So at the end of it, I was like, do I really feel a connection to Chloe and Max enough to sacrifice innocent people? And then you just start to see like it becomes like a snowball effect and it just continues to become a bigger problem and a bigger problem. And at the end of the day. I mean, call me a coward or call me whatever you will, but it it just didn't seem morally correct to do that to one, the town, and then two, to yourself, because you're just going through the motions and obviously history continues to repeat itself. And every time you used it, you're just screwing up the time space continuum and that that's just making things worse for her. So, yeah, yeah, I can't speak proper, but if you want to get a more opposite, most likely opposite opinion, here's Kevin to screw up your day. Here's the forecast. (laughs) I think that the ending was probably the worst written part of the game because it seemed like no choice at all. As well as the characterization of Chloe was done, I mean, it pales in comparison to destroying an entire town, especially with other people that you potentially like just as much. All the effort spent redeeming all of these people, you know, making them likable, you care about them, and then you're supposed to just kill all of them to save one person that you like? That's... That's really a, a tough sell. So, you know, okay. And then you you go, like Sam was talking about, the predestination type thing. That's a good point, too. Chloe 
always dies. There's literally no reason to believe that everything's going to be okay if you don't. And that completely ignores the fat part that the fabric of reality is ripping apart by changing history like this. So everything is stacked against it. I can't imagine a world in which someone could realistically pick this. So Will says there's no wrong answer. You could form a question that there would be no right answer to, like the trolley problem. But here, there is a right answer. And at least I think what the developers wanted, I think, clearly yeah. is to kill Chloe. I, I can't imagine them actually thinking that saving Chloe would be the right decision. They made it a decision, but I think that they should have found a way to do that a little bit better. I think it honestly would have been better if it was just inevitable. I think if, if they had set it up and, and laid the seeds throughout the series f- for the idea that, you know, there there could be some big fix that both saved Chloe and fixed everything. And like then then I think the, the Chloe uh, save Chloe option is, is more viable. But yeah, you you and Sam and Will and we're kind of all saying the same thing now it, because the game is playing with fate. And it, it seems like it's, you know, the finale is ultimately telling you to accept Chloe's fate. It is kind of a, a false decision to even offer you the the other option. I don't know what the stats are globally or, or with us. We could have done a poll on that. That's a missed opportunity. I, I do wonder how many people actually decided to save Chloe because you're right. The, the idea that destiny is in play kind of negates the entire idea of the trolley. It's not a trolley problem anymore if if Chloe's just going to die no matter what you try to do, you know, and so the ending then just becomes finally coming to terms with that and saying goodbye. Yin, some, somebody's gamer tag is just Yin, Y-I-N. He or she must have grabbed that when they recently re-released a bunch of old ones. That's a good That's a good get. Uh, he or she said, I absolutely dreaded this game when I started. It felt like a slog. It wasn't until I hit the third episode that I started to open up to it. To me, the story... Well, it sounds bad, but it gets better, I think. To me, the storytelling got worse as time progressed, but that didn't stop me from thinking about what transpired weeks after I had finished. I wasn't a fan, and then I was. Something resonated with me. I just wish I had gotten that vibe sooner. Kind of how I felt. Um, music freaked out. 007 was the one that liked the ending choice. He or she said, I do applaud that both major endings seemed like fair conclusions given the choice made at the end. I feel like both were given good thought on how to play out the final scenes. Sometimes you can tell if one ending was given special treatment or more time over another. Noel said... The game is ultimately one of my favorites of all time, and that's saying a lot. And some may disagree, but the emotional response, the time aspects, the characters hit me in all the right places. Maddie Heels also spoke on the final choice, said the final choice in the game was probably the hardest for me. A lot of people say that the good ending, or canon ending, is to save the town. I agree that it might be the greater good, but it's not the happy ending for Max. The whole game was about friendship, and the only right choice for Max is to keep saving Chloe, even if the world wants her to be dead. Pretty controversial, I think. And then Hawkeye Barry 20 and another playlist veteran said, I let Chloe die because I did believe it was Chloe's destiny to die. And even if she saved the town, she would constantly be using her powers to save her. I also couldn't imagine how you would live with yourself after you let an entire town be destroyed and kill so many people. So that all that together sort of encapsulates everything we've been saying. You know, it's the Charlie problem, but then when you when you throw the monkey wrench of fate into it, it kind of clarifies the situation. At least for me, it seems sounds like for Kevin, maybe not as much for Will, but maybe Will didn't buy into the destiny portion, which is arguable as well. I mean, I may be unpopular with that, but it's perfectly fine. All I'm saying is that if you told me that I have Mark and Kevin on a cliff, I can only save one. It's a hard decision. But Max, it's time. Chloe, I'm so, so sorry. I, I don't want to do this. I know, Max. 
But we have to. We have to save everybody, okay? And you'll make those fuckers pay for what they did to Rachel. Being together this week, it was the best farewell gift I could have hoped for. You're my hero, Max. Oh, Chloe! I'm gonna miss you so much! I feel like we've covered a lot of the story. We definitely got as much as uh, feedback as we could. And I apologize in advance seeing it the fact that we can't obviously get everybody in here. But it's been a chock full episode. This is pretty lengthy in case you didn't notice. So I think it's about time we start getting these wrap up stats. And of course, because I'm an idiot and can't read, I'll let Mark do it. <laughs> Mark! <laughs> I have to show you where these are. It's not hard to find. but uh, I know where it is now, but I didn't know prior. So uh, okay. no worries. So yeah, for the whole month, we had... Um, just under 2,400 people participating, which puts it on par with, I think, like the Sunset Overdrive month we had. It was similar numbers. Of those people, about half, 1,200 or so, uh, were playing it for the very first time. 580 people completed the whole achievement list across all five episodes. 43,000 achievements unlocked for about a quarter million gamer score. And because the achievements aren't that hard, the TA score isn't much higher. It's at about 950,000. So kind of uh, an average month, but the feedback was... I mean, in my opinion, literally better than it's ever been. I mean, this is only our fifth month, but definitely the most intriguing discussions we've had so far. It was really fun to read all of those. Jesus, Jesus. Any, uh, well, I, I think, Will, you should. Yes, yes. I was, I was trying. I mean, we we had already all completed it, right? So I didn't get any achievements because, well, I finished it back on the initial year it came out. Uh, what do you guys get? You know, I, I also likewise got zero. Uh, I had already played the game, and so there was nothing left to get, which Damn. was nice. I didn't have to do those collectibles again. Oh, yeah. We even talked about that. Yeah, and, and for me, my uh, my fiance just made her own gamer tag, so now she's achievement hunting for herself. But for the past few years, she's often played on my account for not always achievement hunting, just playing games that she likes, and she likes Life is Strange um, a bit more than me, somewhere between me and Will, I think. Should have featured her. yeah she joked about that which i would have had achievements to grab this this month but she had just went back and replayed it recently to finish off the list i think in june or july so it wasn't too long ago that i completed it but it was previous to the the whole month of coverage that we did so the three of us apparently combined for a zero game gamer score (laughs) because we're amazing i guess that wraps it up for the most part you guys know i'm i'm very very quiet in the forums. I may poke in once or twice, but it's usually me just viewing, not saying, because I try to keep all my thoughts bottled in and because I'm just a nice wrecking ball of randomness. It's all great to get it out when we're live. But it's interesting because I was trying to pull out content and I didn't end up doing it. Mark out the feedback. While I was looking at it, I was like, this is really chatty. This is, and it wasn't just brief. Like we had like blurbs on the forum. So Thank you guys, because we really appreciate it. And I feel like I got a good mixture of perspectives, which at the end of the day, I didn't really consider. I was one-sided. So you guys helped me become a better person. You're awesome. <laughs> I'd like to echo that as well. The feedback this month was really, really good. It also, you know, helped me think about the game some more as well. You know, there's there's a lot to unpack with this, and it helps to get, you know, different opinions, especially, you know, the one that really stuck out to me. I, I did read all of the th- posts, and I, I really did think all of them were good. But, you know, especially Sam's conversation, you know, about 
predestination and stuff, that was something I hadn't really considered. And, you know, obviously I just spoke about it. So it, it really, it changed the way I thought about the game and at least the game's ending. But either way, you know, it was, it was fantastic. And so thank you to everybody who, you know, commented this month. I thought, you know, we were all better off for it. So with this being the end of episode five, or we're reaching it, and uh, the end of the month for us playing Life is Strange, it is not the end of the story. Because actually, by the end of this month, I, I don't know the actual date, and don't correct I think me. the very last day. You're going to do it, then the 30th. <laughs> so the 30th is when we will be getting the prequel. Uh, it'll be available on pretty much everywhere if you're console-wise. So I already have it pre-ordered. Me and uh, Mark kind of had a discussion on baseball pre-ordering and stuff like that, and I totally ignored him. But he didn't tell me not to get it. He just said, be smart with your decisions. And I was like, nope. Throwing all the money at them. But that's simply just because there's an additional episode or bonus episode. But whatever. I know I'm going. I already have it waiting for me. What about you guys? Well, I would just I would quickly say that, you know, if you really love the game, which you do, then I don't fault you for pre-ordering it. I just think it was shady of them to throw in a bonus episode only if you buy like the super pre-order deluxe version or whatever it is. <laughs> super pre-order. A bonus episode, by the yeah, way, I'm, I'm pretty sure it has achievements. I think at least it does have trophies. Oh, okay. so I don't have achievements, oh, too. <laughs> so I guess you know, I'll all be great. <laughs> yeah, perfect. My fiance and I will certainly play it. I'm not too excited for it. I don't think it's really a necessary story. I, I complain a lot about stories and any medium like dragging themselves out and i love when a story goes out on top when a narrative just knows when that it's told and it doesn't keep trying to extend itself like so many other games do so i don't really see the point of a prequel where, where we're just playing as chloe and rachel um i feel like we know chloe very well and i feel like i mean i guess it's valuable to learn more about rachel but i'll, I'll still play it <laughs> as, as Mark, negative you, as you that made just it sounded. like 10 just say yes or no <laughs> So Mark's going to play it. Kevin, are you going to play it? You know, the short answer is yes, but I think that there's more potential here than Mark is saying. It's not, I, I agree. If they just make it a straight up prequel where, you know, you get some background on the characters, Rachel and Chloe, then that's going to suck and be a horrible. I mean, I, I think of it kind of like the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why, which did a lot of good, you know, telling a love story where you knew it couldn't work out because one of the characters was spoiler going to die. That whole series, the whole time, it's it's such a sad, tragic love. And so I, I think they could theoretically do the same thing here, making, you know, the fact that, you know, Chloe's going to die. And so all of her hopes and dreams, you know, it Rachel's, you mean, or? Well, both of them, I guess, really, because Chloe's dead and canning, we're sure. Anyway, they're both going to die. So the tragedy there has a lot of potential to tell a really good story. Will it be executed right? Probably not. But <laughs> Mr. Negative it, here. Jesus. It, it could be good. So I will definitely play it and hope for the best. All right. So Kevin's lying through his teeth, guys. Anyway, I'm stopping. <laughs> so to wrap this up with a bow, first of all, if you enjoy Life is Strange, that's probably because you're participating with TA Playlist, guys. And first of all, we want to thank every single person because last time Mark gave us a nice spiel about what we are and how amazing we were, but also the influences that came into it and how it was really crucial for you guys to kind of give us your feedback, at least on iTunes for some reason, because iTunes is the king of podcasts, apparently. The fact that you guys are giving your honest opinion, it doesn't matter if it's one star, five stars, in between. It really doesn't matter. We really like that a fact that you get an opportunity to express yourself and it helps us at the end of the day. We saw some new feedback that came into it. So thank you. And we still recommend that you obviously share and leave your feedback. Doesn't matter if it's just negative or positive, whether you hate me or love Kevin, it makes no difference. Just let us know what you guys think about it. And obviously, if there's any other situations where, um, you know, you just want to be able to give your input, our gamer tags are on site. 
you can comment, you can write in a thread, you can message me. I don't care. Doesn't make a difference. And we do what we can to make the overall product the best for you guys. And honestly, we have fun doing it. Granted, next month won't be fun, but that that doesn't matter. You matter. We just want to say thank you. Let's talk about next month then. Why is next month going to be bad? We're all going to suffer together. And you just talked about how great it was for everyone to come together. And that's what made it it's so It's great good. to come together for a common cause. It's bad to come together when you want to be a little sadist and make us suffer by playing Dark Souls. And I'm going to ask you a little bit, but this is just my history with the series. I haven't played it. I've played Bloodborne. I ain't like Bloodborne. And I know it's not the exact same thing, but it's the same essence. And I've seen people play it. I've seen people play Drunk Souls. It is not a fun thing to do. So I am terrified and honestly have no interest in it. And I actually commented when we got the results with a crying face. Or I was saying I was going to quit. Either or. That was just me. But I don't want to go through this. But I'm going to for you guys. That's right. You guys rock. What's your history with the game? Are you excited? Yes or no? Talk to us, people. Not very excited. I didn't vote for it. I knew it was going to win, though, and it won handily. It was the second highest vote share. But I'm willing to go through it. It should be in another interesting month. He's doing it for you guys. He's dying for your sins. I've played Dark Souls for about 10 hours once and then quit saying I was never going to play again. And then I bought Bloodborne and walked into the first room and turned it off and never played it again. So that's my experience with the series. I did recently review The Surge, which is kind of the same thing and thought it was kind of okay. But anyway, bottom line, I've never liked the series, but everyone says it's good. So, you know, I'm hoping that playing with everyone on the playlist is going to some new life into it and hopefully make it a good experience for us all all right seems to think that the general consensus is that we are scared and terrified but hmm. we're gonna go with it and we're prepared to say you died and every time we see that we will metaphorically take a shot i can't say much for mark because he didn't drink so i think that's it thank you guys so much and be sure to tune in to september where we're gonna end up playing dark souls and hopefully we all make it to the end i won't though <laughs> thanks for joining us everyone go ahead mark. yeah do it bye Stain in the ceiling. Why does it keep saying?